before we open God's word together. I'd like you to consider these words as not as just dry ink on brittle paper, not something that was 2,000 years old, but these words are alive. We look today at the words of Zechariah, and Zechariah in these words is speaking for the first time in nine months. Can you imagine? Hasn't been able to say a word for nine months, and at the same time, these first words are also the moment that he is holding his newborn son named John. We call him John the Baptizer or John the Baptist. Can you imagine the emotion that wells up out of his soul and out of his heart to where we believe that he is actually singing these words? May we hear his music and his song today. We read from the Gospel of Luke beginning in the first chapter in the 68th verse. Blessed be the Lord God of Israel, for he has visited us and accomplished redemption for his people. And he has raised up a horn of salvation for us in the house of David, his servant, as he spoke by the mouth of his holy prophets from of old. Salvation from our enemies and from the hand of all who hate us to show mercy toward our fathers and to remember his holy covenant, the oath which he swore to Abraham, our father, to grant us that we, being rescued from the hand of our enemies, might serve him without fear in holiness and righteousness before him all our days. And you, child, will be called the prophet of the Most High, For you will go on before the Lord to prepare his ways, to give his people the knowledge of salvation by the forgiveness of their sins because of the tender mercy of our God with which the sunrise from on high will visit us to shine upon those who sit in darkness and the shadow of death to guide our feet in the way of peace. Would you pray with me? Good and gracious Father, we pray that by the power of your spirit that we would feel your presence today. We open our hands and our hearts and our lives and say, come Lord Jesus. Speak to our spirits. Whisper to us the secret of your peace. I pray for my brothers and sisters, knowing that many of them are struggling. And the very idea of peace for them, Lord, seems such a foreign idea. But you are God. Nothing is impossible for you. I confess that I am nothing but a small man. And nothing good will come from what is said unless by the power of your spirit you breathe through this time. So we pray for that very thing. Come, Lord Jesus, and breathe through your spirit peace. It is in your holy name we pray. Amen. Before we begin today, I'd like to show you a a, a picture, actually two pictures, Uh, This is a friend of mine named Ben Hodges. 
He's the guy on the left in the helmet, and uh, he, he's also on the upper right. He, he's uh, on that right-hand side. It was right after he had been wounded in combat. He's currently stationed in Turkey. He's the commander of all of the ground forces for NATO. We were captains and majors together. We served as lieutenant colonels. And together we've kind of kept track with, with kind of a long-running email that has gone on for years, he and several other friends. This particular picture was taken on Thanksgiving Day as General Hodges circulated through the area, visiting isolated soldiers, and I imagine giving them words of encouragement. In his last email, he also updated me on his family. His daughter is a senior in college, and three days before he deployed to Turkey, he dropped her off at school. Ben simply said, that was a long ride home. While he serves on the other side of the planet, his son is in the last year of high school. And as I looked at this picture, my heart began to swell and my eyes began to fill with tears. Because this is my friend. And his Thanksgiving was very different than my Thanksgiving. And he's a long way from home. And part of me deeply regretted that I wasn't standing there with him. And part of me just wished a far better wish that he was simply home with those that he loved. Of course, he isn't alone. As thousands upon thousands around the world stand on freedom's frontier. And there isn't enough peace in the world. Of course, we don't have to go international or national. We can just come to church on Wednesday evening. On Wednesday night, we have our prayer meeting, and there isn't ever a time as we go down usually a very long list of prayer requests that my stomach doesn't begin to tie into knots. Because on Wednesday evening, as we offer our prayer requests, there, there are frightening words that are spoken, words like cancer, hospital, unemployment, And again, our hearts fill and our eyes overflow because there isn't enough peace in the world. And yet, this is the season of Advent. And in this season, this Sunday in Advent, we celebrate that very thing. This is the thing that we long for. This is the Sunday that we light the candle of peace. And we come with a great hope, either consciously or subconsciously, that through the words of Zechariah or the power of the Spirit that we will find that peace here. And before you think that I'm just an old curmudgeon that come today to bring you down, I tell you these words of the Gospel of Luke, they will not disappoint us today. This is the second Sunday in Advent and we look for peace and peace we can find. Peace that is generously offered to us just as it was to Zechariah. How do we find peace? You see, there is a tension here, isn't there? And to understand this peace, we must go back nine months from the moment where Zechariah held his son John. Nine months captured in Luke 1 and 5. It says, in the days of Herod, king of Judea, there was a priest named Zacharias of the division of Abijah. And he had a wife from the daughters of Aaron, and her name was Elizabeth. 
They were both righteous in the sight of God, walking blamelessly in all the commandments and requirements of the Lord. But they had no child because Elizabeth was barren, and they both were advanced in years. While Zechariah is performing his, his uh, priestly duties, the angel of the Lord appears. And we find out later that this is the angel Gabriel. And, and as you and I might be, Zechariah is terrified. He is afraid. But the angel says to him, do not be afraid because God has heard your prayers. And you and Elizabeth will be given a son in your old age and his name will be John. And not only that, this John will be a special man. He will go up to a great calling. And not only that, John will breed, bring people back to their, to their heavenly father, to those that, that love God. He will be the one that will beckon them. And not only that, as good as it is, you will not only have a son, but this son will be the forerunner. He will be the one that will call out the name of the Messiah. He will be the forerunner and announce the king and the savior of the world. And so how does Zechariah respond in this moment? When confronted with an angel? When confronted with this news that will be a blessing to him, to his nation, and to the entire world, Zechariah looks at Gabriel and says, are you sure you've got the right guy? Because how in the world is that possible? Elizabeth is old. I am old. I don't understand how that could possibly happen. Do you have any proof? Like an angel of the Lord isn't already pretty good proof. Verse 19 says, The angel answered and said to him, I am Gabriel, who stands in the presence of God, and I have been sent to speak to you and to bring you this good news. And behold, you shall be silent and unable to speak until the day when these things take place, because you did not believe in my words, which will be fulfilled in the proper time. Gabriel said, I come to bring you good news. Have you ever brought somebody good news? Why do you bring someone good news? Think about it just for a second. There's a lot of announcements on Facebook that are good news. We had two that were married here just yesterday, and they're off in the airplane today. It was good news. What a beautiful couple. Sometimes I see on Facebook also that people are at the beach. I don't really like that very much. You know why, because I'm not at the beach. And I think some of you are just boasting. But that's my stuff. I'll work through it. Why do you give someone good news? So that they might be encouraged. So that they might feel blessed. On Wednesday nights, we not only have our time of prayer, but what else do we do? We have a time of testimony. We have a time of testimony, of boasting about God, about the good news. And even if I'm not the one that really feels that God is working in my life in this moment, I can hear the good news of those around and know that God is alive and God is moving and God desires to bless his people. And in those moments, I can feel what? The shalom, the peace of God. 
Zechariah, I come to bring you good news. How does he respond? Are you sure you've got the right guy? I don't believe you. And church, I want you to hear this. Sometimes I think we do exactly the same thing. We hear about peace. We talk about peace. We light the candle. But are we ready to accept the peace of God? And so Zechariah is struck silent for nine months to wait. Nine months. Can you imagine I don't think I could be still for nine minutes. Some of you don't before you start pointing fingers are the same way. I wonder what his inner thought life was as he put his hand on Elizabeth's growing belly. I wonder if he said to himself, how could I have doubted this incredible miracle? I wonder if he rehearsed the words that we read at the beginning of the service over and over in his mind. I never, if I'm allowed to speak again, I will never speak of such faithless way. I just want to worship and praise the God. I wonder if he worshiped and, and rehearsed these words so that they would explode off his lips nine months later. I want you to hear something now. Are you ready? Do you understand as these words exploded and, and he experienced the shalom of God, that peace was offered to him when? It was offered to him nine months before. He didn't have to have that time of struggle, did he? He didn't have to go through that time of silence, of walking the streets of the city and people wondering what's wrong with him. He could have received the peace of God the same peace that is offered to you and I this very moment. You see, that's the thing. That's the, the art of the life of faith is to see that we can have peace at the beginning of the trial, in the midst of the trial. We don't have to wait back and look back. How many of us can go back and say, my goodness, on the far side of the trial, I can look back and I can see, Wow, God blessed, God provided, God brought me through. But the, the art of the life of faith, the, the peace that we are offered is to know that before and even during the storm. Or we can be like Zechariah and really just not believe that that peace is available to us. Peace for us today. How? Verse 10 says, The angel said to him, Do not be afraid, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy, which will be for, do you, do you remember? For all the people. For today in the city of David there has been born for you a Savior who is Christ the Lord. Peace is offered to you today in the midst of international terrorism and wars, peace in the midst of cancer or financial downturns, peace between you and your heavenly Father right now and for all eternity, peace with fellow believers, peace in a world that begins from the inside out and overflows, peace through the one name. Do you know the name? Jesus. One more time. 
Jesus. Isaiah told of Jesus 700 years before his birth. I have a hard time figuring out what's going to happen tomorrow. 700 years for a child will be born to us. A son will be given us and the government will rest on his shoulders. His name will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Eternal Father, Prince of Peace. Oh, you're so good this morning. And there will be no end to his increase or his government of peace. Still, there may be some of you sitting here this morning asking yourself, how can this be? Because after all, I don't feel much peace. Maybe like Zechariah, you're not really ready to accept it. and Your situation is just too hard. How many of you know the name Fanny Crosby? Just anybody? Most of you, good. Fanny Crosby was an incredibly talented musician. She wrote over 8,000 hymns. Some of those hymns are your absolute favorites. She wrote such ones, such hymns as Jesus is tenderly calling you home. Praise him, praise him, and and to God be the glory. And, And one of my very favorites, blessed assurance, Jesus is mine. You might know that she was a great author, but you might not know that she was blinded at the age of six weeks because of a quack doctor who simply didn't know what he was doing. She lost her father at the age of one. She was brought up incredibly poor and even lost her one and only child when the little girl was still an infant. And yet she is able to write these words. Blessed assurance, Jesus is mine. Oh, what a foretaste of glory divine. Perfect submission, perfect delight. All is at rest. I and my Savior am happy and blessed, watching and waiting, looking above, filled with his goodness, lost in his love. And the beautiful refrain, this is my story, this is my song, praising my Savior all the day long. And it sounds like she was a woman of peace. Even after so many things that we might call horrendous, A woman no different than you or I. A woman with such peace in her heart that she could say these words. It seemed intended by the blessed providence of God that I should be blind all my life and I thank him for the dispensation. If perfect earthly sight were offered to me tomorrow, I would not accept it. I might not have sung hymns to the praise of God if I had been distracted by the beautiful and interesting things about me. She also once said this, when I get to heaven, the first face that shall ever gladden my sight will be that of my Savior. Peace. The Zacharias of this world still might say, yes, but she was special. She was different. Or, Cal, you don't know what I'm going through. Yes, I do. We, we all do. We may not know the details, but we know what fear is and worry and anxiety. And we know what it feels like to be attacked from without and within. And, and we all long for peace because there just doesn't seem to be enough in the world. Zechariah could have had that peace at the moment that Gabriel 
spoke, but he wouldn't accept it. He wasn't ready for it. Are we? In this season of Advent, on the second Sunday, as we light the peace candle, are we? Zechariah had to endure nine months of questioning looks in his community to bring him to the point where he could accept the peace of God. But you see, we know that peace isn't dependent if we are in Afghanistan or in Turkey or in Sanford, North Carolina. It doesn't depend on if we are in the hospital or in the church. Peace comes only through the Christ child and through the indwelling of his spirit. And this we remember during this Christmas season on the second Sunday of Advent. Jesus left these words for you and I this very day. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you, not as the world gives do I give to you. Do not let your heart be troubled, nor let it be fearful. Will we be like Zechariah during his encounter with Gabriel? How can this be? Or will we accept what is freely given? The angel said, do not be afraid, for behold, I bring you great news of great joy which will be for all the people. The Lord has come to give you peace. Let us accept it and let us pray. Holy and gracious Father, we thank you for this opportunity to come. And it is our desire, as Rich has said today, that we inhale deeply and exhale your peace I do not believe this is something we can do on our own. That by the power of your spirit, would you speak to those with troubled hearts even this moment? Speak to us your words of peace and help us to embrace what you freely offer. We love you, our Lord and our Savior. You are our gift. Help us to open our hearts our lives to you to celebrate what you have done this Christmas season. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.